big five and one, took care of business yesterday. There was another team that won yesterday. I don't know if y'all saw that. If you wonder where uh, all the empty seats are, all those people, they're Dodgers fans. Um, they're, they're, they're home mourning today. Hey, Matt and Amber, if you're watching this later, you're probably driving back from Atlanta right now. Um, I'm sorry that you drove to Atlanta to watch the Dodgers lose. Uh, so I wanted to tell you that directly. Hopefully when you watch this later, you'll give me a call. No, I'm, I'm a big Braves fan. Um, if anybody wants to go to a World Series game next Friday, we're trying to get a caravan to go down. Uh, there's my shameless plug if you want to go down. Hey, let me, let me take care of some housekeeping uh, items for just a second. Several, several of you have taken uh, the APES test. Uh, you emailed me, you took the test, you got your results back. Katie Murdoch, I think you emailed me more than anybody, like every, every hour on the hour. Hey, uh, can I get my test? Can I get my test? Can I get my test? But, but you got it, you got it, and you took it. So I think you were the first one to turn it into, so that, that's awesome. But hey, what, what's next with that? What's next with that? Once you've got that gift set back, here's the question. Where are you going to use your gift in serving the local church? Remember, we didn't just go through this APES series so that you could figure out the gifts that are inside of you, but it's how you use those gifts to expand the kingdom of God. A lot of new people are here. Uh, you've been coming over the, the last few weeks. Let me give this plug as well. If you're not involved in a group, get involved in a group. Listen, I always talk about our basketball group. I can now talk about a volleyball group. I'm, I'm ready for game night, Chaz. Like, are you, I feel like a third of the church signed up for game night, so I hope that your house can, can uh, hold everybody, but we're ready, we're ready for game night. Uh, another thing that's coming up on December the 5th, you guys remember that we did the, the family day a few weeks back, everybody enjoyed that. We have another family day coming up December the 5th. We'll be kicking off uh, the Christmas holiday season. That's weird to say out loud, but we're already, who's got their Christmas decorations up already? Praise God, because I was going to say that you were a weirdo. Like, don't, you already took them down. You took them down from the, who started preparing putting Christmas up? Like, you started preparing, nobody, wow. I, I had a friend tell me this past weekend that they've already bought all their lights for Christmas. I'm like, I don't even, I'm not ready, I'm not ready for that. Not ready for that. So, so here we go. We, we're stepping out of one series, going into another. So for the next four weeks, I'm going to be preaching on one specific thing, the freedom from fear. Freedom from fear. Think, think about these questions. What causes fear? What are you actually afraid of? See, fear is a funny thing. Fear, there can be some things that you're afraid of that others aren't. Fear only lives where you allow it to live. So, so this, this is what I know. I, I told you guys a, a few stories over the past few weeks. I told you about Pastor Doug. If you watch this later, I'm sorry, I'm going to call you out again. He is terrified of snakes. Like, Pastor Doug is absolutely terrified of snakes. If you didn't hear the story, Pastor Doug tried to sacrifice Pastor Paul when we came encounter, uh, came encounter with a snake in the woods, and he shoved Paul towards the snake and ran the other way. Like, he, he hates snakes. Now, my wife, on the other hand, she hates spiders. L let me rephrase that. My wife hates anything with wings and legs that gets in our house. Like, absolutely anything. Brian, where, where are you? Brian Vaughn. Brian, you own your own pest control business, and, and you serve it. You service our house. Here's the deal. I can promise you, we're going to keep you in business. Because every time my wife sees an ant, call Brian. If a fly gets in the house, call Brian. 
Like, like we're, it's infested. Like, there's, there's bugs everywhere. Like, like my, my wife, I love you, babe. But my wife, like, my wife hates, she hates bugs. Let me name a few phobias that I looked up. A few of these are, are kind of funny. Uh, there's a phobia called nomophobia. Nomophobia. It's the fear of being without your phone. And, and everybody that kind of has it, like, where's my, where, where's my phone? Like, where's my guys in the room? Like, you know the check, you go phone, wallet, keys. Like, where's my phone, where's my wallet, where's my keys? And then you, and it's like, okay, I can, I can walk out of the house. Now, what about this one? Plutophobia. I don't think anyone has this one, but that's the fear of money. Could you, like, you can't touch money. You can't be around money. Plutophobia, the fear of money. I pray that no one has this one, but ablitophobia is the fear of bathing. The fear, <laughs> right? It's like, like, uh, now I've crossed past some people that <laughs> walked past them, got the whiff, like you might have. I, I hope no one has this. In fact, I, I don't believe you would go to church here if you have this one. Uh, but poganophobia, it's the fear of beards. <laughs> <laughs> I want to find someone with this and I want to chase them around. <laughs> I do. What, what about optophobia, the fear of opening your eyes? Could you imagine living that way, having a fear of opening your eyes? I don't think anyone here does in the physical, but I think the church is living like this in the spiritual. I feel that the church, the global church, has spiritual optophobia. They're afraid of opening their eyes. What about some of these that might hit a little closer to home? What about the fear of loneliness? The fear of failure? The fear of your past? The, the fear of the skeletons that are in your closet being found out. The, the fear of losing a loved one. See, if we're open and honest with ourselves, there's probably a list somewhere that we have some type of fear in our lives. So what I know is that creation for millennia have been gripped by fear. We see individual fear over and over and over again. But, but throughout history, if we take a close enough look, we've also seen an oppressive culture of fear. Go to the Old Testament. Go to the New Testament. Look at any history book and you can see an oppressive culture of fear. And for the next few weeks, I want to talk about living free from fear, both as an individual and an oppressive culture of fear. Hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Judges chapter 6 and 7. We're going to be in there for the next several weeks. Now, now this is what I want to, here's my asterisk, here's my caveat. I gave you books for the last series and you took notes. Just because you have a, or don't have a book doesn't mean you shouldn't be taking notes. All right? So pull your phones out, pull the notebook out. Let's make sure that we're being good note takers because the Lord loves good no note takers. Amen? <laughs> All the teachers in the room said amen. So Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 1, let me read the scripture to you. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years, and the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come down up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep, no ox or donkey. 
for they would come up with their livestock and their tents, and they would come out like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted, so that they laid waste to the land as they came in, and Israel was brought very low because of Midian. I want to talk about the Midianite spirit, an oppressive culture of fear. See, the Midianite spirit is more than, than fleeting feelings or phobias. Don't you just love it when like your notes just go away? <laughs> That's my fear. <laughs> my, my fear is that my notes would go away. That's right. The, the Midianite spirit is more than fleeting feelings or fears or phobias. I want you to hear this. Let me read this exactly like I wrote it down. It is a climate of fear that oppresses entire cultures and keeps the people of God from living in freedom. My daughter celebrated her fourth birthday a couple days ago, and I, I can't believe she's four years old. And she's growing up, and she's learning all types of things as she's growing up. But what I'm recognizing is she's also learning fear. She's also learning that when she goes to her bedroom at night, that she's alone. Any parents of the room remember that season of life when your kids recognize that they're alone? When your kids recognize darkness for the first time? When they recognize that there's a separation from the parent? And what my daughter is doing is when she gets scared, she hides under the covers. Y'all remember, remember being a kid? You remember being in your room and you would hide under your covers. I feel like that's what the modern church is doing in today's society. We're full of fear, so we're just hiding under the covers. The, the fear of offending someone. I'm just going to hide under my covers. I don't, I don't want to offend any. I don't want to offend anyone. The, the fear of doing the hard work. I know what God's called me to do, but as long as I hide under the covers, I don't have to do the hard work that the Bible calls me to. The, the fear of being canceled, if I just don't say anything, then I don't have to worry about people canceling me. The, the fear of not fitting into society, I have to fit in. I have to fit in. What, what would the soccer moms think about me if, if I didn't fit in? What would the people that I go to the gym with think about me if I, if I didn't fit into society? What would my business partners think of me? What would my coworkers think of me? I have to fit in. And in fitting in, we live fearful lives. We would rather fit into society and not face fear and just hide under covers. So how do we identify the Midianite spirit. A few things that I want to go through quickly. The first is this. The people of God are living in fear and hiding. Take a look at verse 2. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. What were the Israelites doing? They were hiding in the mountains. They were living in fear and hiding. The second thing is this. The enemy steals the fruit of labor in ministry, verse 3, for whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Number three, the enemy sets up camp devouring physical, mental, and emotional sustenance and strength. Verse 4 says this, they would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land. Let me keep going. Number four, like locusts, they lay waste to 
the land. Verse 5 says, For they would come up with their livestock in their tents, and they would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted, and they would lay waste to the land as they came in. The fifth thing and the last is this. People are brought very low, feeling defeat and depression. We see that in verse 6. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. Let, let me... Let me read to you this progression. Because this is what I this, this isn't Zach, this is scripture. This is what I see in Judges chapter 6. The first thing I see is I, I feel fear because of what is going on in the world, so I hide. And then I feel like the fruit of my labor is stolen. Something that I've poured into. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a house. Maybe it's your education. But you feel like something was taken from you. And then the enemy has so much real estate in your mental space that you feel hopeless because everything is being devoured. So you end up living in a cycle of depression and defeat. For seven years, the Israelites lived in a cycle of depression and defeat only because they were hiding in caves. Because they were fearful. Now, now let, me, let me speak a little bit to fear. I, I think there's two different types of fear. I think there's irrational fear, and I think there's reality-based fear. Zach, what are, you, what are you talking about? Let me talk about, let me talk about irrational fear. A rational fear would say something like this. I'm not going outside because I think I'm going to be struck down by a meteorite. It's a rational fear. A, a rational fear would say something like, I'm not going to go camping because I don't want to be devoured by a mountain lion. Okay, that's a little irrational. A, a rational fear would say, I'm not going to work out because I feel like I'm going to break my back. No, you just hadn't got off your couch in five years. You're not going to break your back. Like that, that's a rational, that's a rational based fear. But, but, but what about the other? Other times you have fear that is based on reality, but you begin to read the reality on one situation to everything else. Pastor, what are you talking about? Something happened once, and you think that it's going to happen over and over and over again. I was hurt in one relationship, so that means I'm going to be hurt in every other relationship. I was burned on one business adventure, so everyone is wicked, and I can't go into business with anyone else. This is especially true with the fear of loss. You lose something. You lose a loved one. You lose a relationship. And now you live in fear that everyone will be taken from you. We start to read one situation onto every other situation in life. Remember, remember the Israelites. Everything was taken from them. Everything was devoured. So they live in fear, anxiety, and depression. Now, now let, me, let me pause here for just a second. Something that I think that the church doesn't talk enough about is mental health. Let me read some statistics to you. The statistics on mental health, the reality of it is they're just not good. But one study reported more than 42% of people surveyed by the U.S. Census Bureau in December reported symptoms of anxiety or depression in December, an increase of 11% the previous year. You guys remember what we went through last December? <laughs> Shut it down. Don't go outside. Don't talk to your neighbor. Let me talk about the connection between fear and isolation. 
A study from the Central Institute for Mental Health in Mannheim, Germany said this, the distress in the pandemic probably stems from people's limited social interactions. Tensions among family and lockdown together and the fear of illness, says psychiatrist Marcella uh, Richelle. She also said this, studies and surveys conducted so far in the pandemic consistently show that young people, rather than old people, are most vulnerable to increased psychological distress, perhaps because their need for social interactions are stronger. It always amazes me how the Bible aligns with what we face in society. There's nothing new under the sun. God talks about everything. Remember where the Israelites are living in the passage. They're living in caves. They're hiding away. They don't want to be around anyone else for fear of what could happen. Too many people over the last two years have felt like they've had to live in a cave. Too too many people have felt like the walls are closing in. They, They felt like life is getting darker and darker and darker and only danger is lurking outside. But let's take a look at verse 6b. And the people cried out for help to the Lord. Now, now let, me, let me say this as a caveat. Mental and emotional help is a multifaceted subject. Because, because there's a few different components. There's mental, there's physical, there's spiritual, and there's emotional. But, but for a moment, can I affirm the need of the ongoing work of counseling? And I I believe in counseling. I believe that counseling is important. I believe there's a space in mental health for counseling. I also believe there's a space in mental health for physical diet and exercise. I also believe there's a space in mental health when it it comes to medication, especially in order to jumpstart the process. And unfortunately, the church's mainstream approach is just pray about it. Unfortunately, when you have fear in your life or you're dealing with something, the church's response and the church's first response is to just pray about it. Can I affirm that there are multiple different avenues when it comes to mental health and mental distress and fears and failures? Can I affirm those things? But my purpose today is to just, to, to just deal with the spiritual component. component. It's my job to deal with the spiritual component. So what does the Bible say? The Bible says that the people cried out for help to the Lord. So if fear and worry and anxiety is beating you down today, what would happen if you actually cried out to the Lord? Verse 7 says this, when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on the account of of the Midianites. The Lord sent the prophet to the people of Israel and he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Verse 10, and I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you will dwell. So how do you truly live free from the Midianite spirit? The first thing that you have to do is remember what God has already done. Verse 8, the Lord sent a prophet 
to the people of Israel. And then the prophet begins to remind the Israelites what happened in Egypt. Can I just tell us what happened in Egypt? So when you're facing the Midianites, you have to remember the Egyptians. So so go back in the Bible and remember the Egyptians. The Egyptians were the dominant world power of the time. The Israelites were in 400 years of slavery. Let me read this to you, this historical context. For almost 30 centuries from its unification around 3100 B.C. to its conquest by Alexander, Alexander the Great in 332 B.C., ancient Egypt was the preeminent civilization of the Mediterranean world. From the great pyramids of the old kingdom through the military conquest of the new kingdom, Egypt's majesty has long entranced archaeologists and historians and created a vibrant field of study all its own. Think back a few months ago to our Freedom Series. Let me catch you up if you weren't here, but in the Freedom Series, we went through the ten plagues. And we said that God was exposing and defeating layers of Egyptian bondage. And it all culminated to the Passover. And then the Israelites were released from Egypt. And Pharaoh chases them down, but the Red Sea parts, the Israelites go through, and the Egyptians didn't make it. God absolutely let the Israelites free from Egypt. So then let's look at the Midianites. It's not that the Midianites were pushovers by any stretch of the imagination. If you look throughout Scripture, Gideon fought 120,000 of them, but, but compared to Egypt, the Midianites were nothing. Compared to what they had been released from, the Midianites were nothing. Now think about your situation and think about Jesus. Think about the fear in your life. Think about the things that you're going through day in and day out. And then mirror that to what Jesus experienced. I mean, I I can remind you. I I can remind you that when Jesus was living, the Roman Empire was the dominant world power. And, And there were all these religious leaders. And I can remind you that Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I can remind you of his betrayal when Judas came and kissed him on the cheek. And I can remind you that all of the disciples fled. I can remind you that Peter denied him three times. I can remind you of the crown of thorns that was shoved so hard onto Jesus' scalp that the thorns were embedded in his head. I can remind you of the whips that dug into Jesus' back and ripped the flesh away. I can remind you that Jesus carried his cross up to Golgotha. I can remind you that Jesus had nails in his hands and in his feet. And I can remind you that Jesus was suspended on a cross. I can remind you that when Jesus took his last breath, there was a spear shoved into his side and blood and water flowed. I can remind you that Jesus was taken down off the cross and he was put into a tomb. But, but I can also remind you that in that tomb, Jesus went to hell and he conquered hell, death, and the grave, and he took the keys from the enemy. I can remind you that Jesus rose three days later. I can remind you all of that, what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to minimize what you're going through. I'm just trying to maximize the power of the cross. 
I'm not trying to minimize your situation. I'm just trying to maximize what Jesus did for you. I'm not trying to tell you that what you're going through isn't significant. I'm just trying to remind you that what Jesus did was far greater. That, that's, that's my assignment today. How do you overcome the Midianite spirit? Number two is this. You use fear as fuel. Verse 10a says this, and I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Church, hear this. Just because we live in a culture of fear doesn't mean we have to take on that culture. Just because in our society there is fear all around us doesn't mean that we have to live in that fear. We're not of this world. We're aliens and strangers to this world. We're not created to live in fear. You're designed to feel fear. You're designed to confront fear. And you're also designed to act on fear. Our bodies are intrinsically to designed to use fear as fuel. Let me, let me tell you something that you probably didn't know. Did you know that zebras don't get ulcers? Zebras don't get stomach ulcers. Fun, fun fact, right? Like ze zebras don't get stomach ulcers, and this is, this is why. It's called fight or flight. Fight or flight. See, see the, zebra, the zebra sees the lion, right? The, the zebra sees the lion, the zebra feels fear, and then the zebra reacts and uses that chemical to its advantage. Here's the difference. What does the zebra not do? The zebra doesn't just think about the lion and go hide in a cave. And then think about the irrational fear of, of the lion coming in the cave. Some of you are making the correlation. Others of you are not. <laughs> but what does the zebra do when it has that fight or flight moment? The zebra reacts. See, oftentimes in our life, we don't react. Oftentimes in our life, we just think about the fear. And we worry about the fear, and we let the fear consume us. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1 says this, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as lions. Are you bold enough to face your fear? Are you bold enough to truly face what's inside of you? How do you overcome the Midianite spirit? Number three is this, restore the power of repentance. Let me, let me read verse 6 before I go to verse 10. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. Dropping down to verse 10, but you have not obeyed my voice, says God. This is what I know. I can look in the Old Testament. I can look in the New Testament. It's all the same. This is what I know. Sin separates us from God. Sin will always separate us from God, but repentance restores our connection to God, and our connection to God restores our power that we can walk in. Remember, remember Piper hiding under the covers? Remember you hiding under the covers when you were a kid? Piper's afraid. Piper's afraid because she's by herself. Piper's afraid because she's in the dark. Piper's afraid because she feels like she can't see what's around her, so she hides under the covers. I know most of the parents now, you have your little cameras in your room or in the kids' room, watching like, 
I watch my daughter like crazy, both of them, switching back and forth. Y'all, do y'all watch? Yeah, not you. You better not be watching. Do y'all? You watch Maddie a lot. Where's Coley? Coley? Oh, she's with the kids. Do y'all watch your kids anymore? They're too old. Well, like, when's the cutoff age? I don't. I, four's not because I'm still watching my daughter. When they can unplug the camera, like you're not watching me tonight. <laughs> like, no, but I still, I still watch, I still watch Piper. And what gets me, e- even if I say I'm not going up there, I'm not going up there. She can figure it out. What gets me every single time, and maybe it's because my, it's my little girl, but it's when she says, "Daddy, Daddy." Daddy, we just come up here. She's got this new thing where she'll get out of the bed and she'll like walk in front of the camera and talk to the camera like she's talking to. <laughs> she'll like try to crack her door open. And we'll hear it. I'll go, Piper Gray. Yes, sir. <laughs> but when she's afraid, she calls out for daddy. When dad walks in the room, fear goes away. When dad opens the door, it's like a little bit of light comes in the room. When dad dad walks in the room, whatever she was afraid of goes away. Can I remind somebody this morning that God's walking in the room? That whatever you're afraid of, if you just call God into the room, he'll walk in. If you just say, God, where are you? He will walk in for some reason. We feel like we have to go through life by ourselves. And God never intended for us to just experience life on our own. He's always asking, saying, hey, will you just invite me into the room? Hey, hey, will you just invite me into your space? Hey, will you just invite me into your fear? Will you just invite me into your failures? Will you just invite me into your shortcomings? Will you just invite me, even if you feel like I don't belong there, would you would you just invite me in? Invite me in. I'm going to ask for our prayer team to come up. If we could just have a few people come up to the front. Hey, hey this, is, this is what we're going to do. We're not just going to talk about it. We're going to be about it. Maybe, maybe there's some fear in your life. Maybe there's some things that you're experiencing that you just need to say, God, I need need you to step into this situation. I need you to step in here and now. I got a few minutes for the end of service, all right? So, (laughs) but would you be bold enough to ask God to step into your situation? Why do we bring people up front? Sometimes, sometimes, then when you stand with somebody and you allow them to pray over you, there is a different anointing and a different power that you can experience. So this is my challenge. Who's going to actually welcome God into their situation today?